Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. As parents of kids who've been marked as difficult, we need an alternative roadmap to guide us where conventional parenting tools have failed. We need a way to calm the chaos. My next guest explains that there are five steps to calming the chaos, each step bringing us closer to family success, even as emotions run high, so that we can build a safe haven in our homes that support healthy kids. Dana Abraham, best-selling author of Calm the Chaos, a fail-proof roadmap for parenting even the most challenging kids. She's a national board-certified educator, parent of three neurodivergent children, and an ADHD adult herself. Dana brings a unique and out-of-the-box perspective that I know you're going to love. She brings us to parents raising kids in the modern world. Through her compassionate framework, Calm the Chaos, she has helped millions of desperate parents around the world find peace and meet the children where they're at when conventional parenting tools have failed them. Welcome, Dana, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Oh, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Before we go really deep into calming the chaos, can you tell us what lights you up? Oh my goodness. Um, so what lights me up is seeing when a parent who has struggled to connect with their kid, to understand their kid, when they finally have that light bulb go off and they see the kid in front of them for who they are, for all their amazingness, for their struggles and their superpowers on both sides. And they're able to really just accept the kid they have. Uh, when that happens, I'm like, yes, we are onto something. So yeah. yes, yes. It's so important to see our children as a whole being, not as a label, not looking to lead with their deficit, but understanding the challenges that they have and understanding their strengths, which so often get can get carried um, can, can get obliterated mm -hmm. by those negative labels. Now you have a five stage roadmap for helping parents calm the chaos. While we will get deeper into some of these, can you give us just a brief overview of what these five stages are from surviving to thriving in the everyday? Absolutely. So one of the things that I found after working with parents is that a lot of times they get dropped off in the deep end. So they get dropped off at here's how to create systems. Here's how to create a family that works together, that is thriving. And if they are in the trenches, if they are dealing with arguments and fights and battles, and there's a lot of stress and overwhelm, then they can't access the amazing information tools and strategies that they've been given. And so that's where the five stages were born is it starts you out at really that like really chaotic moment. Um, I think of it as a storm, um, a lot like the natural disasters we have going on in the world right now. It's just, this is your hunker down phase. This is get everyone to safety, make sure you as the adult are um, making sure you feel psychologically and emotionally safe so that you can be that presence in the heat of the moment and just ride it out. It's not about fixing, it's not about solving. Um, once we're able to have that 
that calming groundedness as ourself. Now we, before jumping into solutions and problem solving, we actually have to renew our energy source because after anyone has ever been through an argument with a spouse, if you've ever been through an argument with a kid, you come out and you feel completely depleted. And a lot of times we jump into trying to then fix or solve or um, get ahead of it for the next time. We really need to take a moment to pause and take care of our own energy so that when something else comes up, we have enough in our reserves to be able to handle whatever comes our way, whatever difficult conversation, whatever stressor, whatever um, new challenge comes our way. Um, so that stage two is just that time and energy reserves. Stage three is where we are now trying to diffuse the bomb that's in front of us. So I like to think of this as your plan for how you are going to show up in the heat of the moment. And now that you know how to stay grounded and you have enough time and energy in your own tank, you're then able to start using some of the scripts and be able to show up and connect with your kid and show empathy and validate them. But if you aren't calm to begin with, you're not going to be able to access that. Your kids are going to see it written all over your face. So this is more about how you're showing up. It's not about talking it out. It's not about problem solving, but it's just minimizing the damage in that that most heated moment. Um, once we have that, now we can start involving our kids. We can jump to stage four, which is where we're getting proactive. We're starting to get ahead of the moment. We're starting to really hone in on what is the one biggest challenge in our family right now that's causing the most disconnection, that's causing the most stress for us. Um, who has the most needs right now that we really need to focus on and how do we get ahead of it? What is really going on here? How do we problem solve? How do we skill build? And what is the plan that's going to help us all move forward here? And then once you have that, now you can start kind of expanding that beyond just the one child you might be struggling with or um, the two siblings that might be struggling together or you and your spouse that might be struggling. And now you can look at it more like an ecosystem and you can create a family team that works together, that understands each other's needs and wants and um, even their own sensory preferences and their own makeup of how they work and react and respond. And you're creating... Um, systems together as a family that help everyone in the family thrive. Mm. It's really important. And I, I like that you start with the person themselves, the, the adult themselves. And it's something that maybe we don't want to hear. Um, if we're being honest, like checking our own self is, is not overly pleasant, uh, but it's important. And in terms of how we react to tantrums and how we connect or disconnect when our child is dysregulated, um, how we are able to calm our own triggers, as you talk about in the book, when we're derailing or they're derailing, or how we're able to empower ourselves instead of becoming unhinged. What are some of maybe the questions we can ask ourselves or the statements we should be saying to ourselves when our child is beginning to ramp up? Mm, that's really good. Okay. So, um, Anytime we can get curious, 
then it takes our brain out of that fight, flight, or freeze response. And it then puts us into a more relaxed state. You can't be in both states at the same time. So the more that you can be curious and say, hmm, I wonder. A question like that can be really helpful. I wonder why they're struggling. I wonder what is getting in their way. I wonder what is going on. If we can just say that, I wonder in our head, that can be really helpful. Um, Mm. But also having some sort of reminder ahead of time. And I talk about this in stage one of having an anchor that you, that kind of deescalates your own brain so that you're not seeing your child as the big bear who's coming to attack you. And so you're able to swap your own language. So instead of saying, oh, here we go again, my kid never listens to me. You can swap that language to, whew, all right, they're struggling again, right? This is a moment. This is tough, but so am I. Coming up with something that really you believe in and something that actually does calm you is going to help you be able to show up for your kid in a very different way. Mm, And you mentioned, I remember in your book, you're talking about one of the people who came to you for assistance and they imagine their child as a baby, that's like a helpful anchor for them. So it can be, you know, even a visual anchor for them. I like the questions you ask as well in, in my book, how to talk to kids about anything. For those of you who know, it's out uh, October 10th, very exciting. Um, You know, when I talk about it, I talk about the most powerful questions, like those short, punchy questions that you can ask yourself. They don't have a lot of parts. So just, you know, what's happening? You know, how do I, how do I move forward? How, and I liked how you talked about in your book, like what's one step, like one tiny step that you can take right now that can help you. We don't have to solve the entire thing. You know, we, we, and it's not always and never, and you know, it's going to be this huge blowout, but what's one small step that we can take. And, and that powerful question can, can also help to ground us. Is that correct? Absolutely. And, you know, I was also one that was coming up right now, instead of it being a question, it can be a statement. Mm -hmm. And in the heat of the moment, one of the most powerful statements that a lot of the parents that I work with, and even myself find is now is not the time, just those Mm -hmm. few words. And the reason for that is because a lot of times we have the pressures, we have the judgment of others. And so when our kids are quote unquote misbehaving, when they're starting to jump on the furniture, they're starting to run through the store, they're starting to talk back in front of other adults, we start having all of this, oh my gosh, what was everyone else going to think? And if I allow them to do this, then what else am I allowing them to do? And I'm just letting them walk all over me. And when we let all those what ifs and all those fears take over, then we're going to react and respond in a very different way than if we're able to just ground ourselves and say, now is not the time. And what we mean by that is now is not the time to fix or solve or uh, reprimand because they're not be able to access what we're trying to do with their logical brain. We're not able to access it if we're not calm, but that doesn't mean I'm letting them get away with it. It just means that after the fact, when we have both gotten to a regulated state, we can problem solve. We can dig under the surface. We can get under where is this coming from? What led up to this? And we can create a new plan and a path forward. Mm. I, I talk about this um, and it, on my podcast, there was uh, Dr. Lynn Kenny who talks about that as like anger mountain, like you're, you know, going up anger mountain. And once you're at the top of anger mountain, 
think that's probably not the time to be like, hey, dear, you know, we don't do this and like trying to enlist that logical brain. And I talked about that also in chapter one of my book where you're like, we so often want to explain at that time. We want to somehow access our child's logical brain when their emotional brain has taken full, you know, full agency. Like they're, it's completely in charge of what's going on up there. So we can't, we can't be logical. We see people in the grocery store and this is no dig because we've all been there where we're in the grocery store and the kid is like screaming and crying and yelling about the cereal that he or she wants or whatever. And you're, and you're like, okay, honey, like we can't do that. If we're going to remain in the grocery store, we have to be calm because that's not going to work at that point. Right. So I, I, I find that to be really important for us to take in that we're all in that same boat. We've all been there and we all understand how that feels. And there is no, I'm going to do this now. And there is no perfect parent who can do that because a brain is a brain, right? Yes. And so giving yourself permission, if you do blow up, um, I always like to tell my, my parents, I say, just, you know, kiss your brain. Thank you, brain. And for reminding me I'm human because Mm. we are human. We are going to get dysregulated ourselves. We are going to have something from our past, a belief, a thought, a way we were treated. It's going to get kind of poked, so to say, by our kids Mm -hmm. and what they're doing. And so if we grew up feeling like we were unheard, unseen, um, that people didn't take what we said seriously, and then we say something to our kids and it seems as though they are ignoring us, then we're going to somehow like Mm -hmm. uh, completely unconsciously, well, I guess I'm not important. I guess they don't Mm -hmm. care about me. I guess they don't think that I'm, you know, that my words matter. And so Mm -hmm. we, when that starts to surface, we're not going to be able to address our kids for what's happening right now. Instead, we will probably be catastrophizing it and we'll mm-hmm. be saying, oh my gosh, they never listen to me or, you know, they're just going to end up on the street someday. We like to kind of jump 15 years down the road when we're thinking yes. about kids. So um, yeah, just that grounding piece is so, so important mm-hmm. in the moment. And then having, you know, and you do such a great job of this, of this, how to talk to kids about anything is having scripts or having that one go-to, you know, in my book, I call it the one, one, one. So having one thing to say, one thing to do, and one thing to provide in the heat of the moment, that's going to be how you show up. And it doesn't mean you stick to this forever. It's, this is going to be my go-to. So right now people listening to this can imagine the last fight they had with their kid or the last argument or the last tiff, whatever. And so if you put yourself Mm -hmm. back in that place and you go, okay, what if that was to happen again? Because if it happened once, it's probably going to happen again. And so put ourselves back in that that place. What would I, what is one short phrase I can say? What is one thing that I can do? And a lot of times it's just, I can move closer. I can get lower. I can uh, calm my own body. And then what is the thing that I can provide? Sometimes that's our presence. Sometimes that's a break for ourselves or our kid. And sometimes that is a nice big old snuggle and a hug. Um, It doesn't have to be this fancy tool or, you know, a calm down chart or anything like that. But having that already in our head, now we have an action plan and our brain does not have to try to search for all this information from everything we've learned. We've got that one phrase, that one thing that we're ready to put into action. Yes, I circled that in your book and I love that. Um, 
one of the words that I say to myself when my kids are, and my kids are now teenagers, is just air. That's all I say to me. I say it out loud. Air. And I take a deep breath because it's just that reminder. Because when you get really frustrated, you're holding your breath or you find yourself getting really quick, 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 quick. And I just say air and I breathe in and out air, getting air to the brain can be helpful. So I like that. Just saying like what something really short and it's gotta be your thing, like whatever's for you, this is not an emergency, whatever works for you to just remind you, no, this doesn't happen all the time. This is happening right now. Um, I want to do a section with you that I usually call don't say this, say that, but um, I'm going to do it a little different because of your book and like what you actually do. Um, and I'm so I'm going to do, this does not mean this. It means that. Okay. Uh, so is, this is using the common misbehavior that we okay. often misinterpret. Okay. So when a child is being very emotional and sensitive, it doesn't like necessarily mean that they're just simply whiny and too much. What can it mean? It can mean um, that they have a heightened sense of awareness. It can also have mean that they are incredibly empathetic to other people's emotions. It could be that they are a nerd noticer of their surroundings. It could mean that they have a very sensitive sensory system. And so all the input of the things coming in around them overload their, their nervous system and then cause them to shut down, cause them to be oversensitive. Um, a really good example of this is my daughter is very much like this. And so uh, she had a really big day the other day and she went to an audition for a ballet. And then she went to the store after that bright lights, lots of sounds. Then she went to a friend's house and played. And then she went to the pool and she came home and it was time for dinner. And I, all I was doing was scratching like, right. Like this, you know, and she (laughs) just lost it. She was like, Oh my gosh, you were so loud. I can't handle it. I'm going to the other room, you know, and she's 10 years old. And it was because it, I like to think of it kind of like a tank. It just starts to fill up and Mm. then it just overflows, Mm. especially if your sensory system is incredibly sensitive to that input. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's, you know, often kids who are highly sensitive like that may just need time to alone. And that's not about you. They may need time to just interact with something calm, whether it's a book or something physical, like it it, it could be all kinds of things, but it's not about you. Yes. Uh, Now, what about when a child shows defiance, explodes often, they're not trying to be difficult and destructive and and piss you off. What can it mean? Um, So we can go two different ways here. So if we're talking about like the aggression, like the hitting, the kicking, the breaking, the toys, um, it could be that they um, have a fight, like they naturally go to the fight response system when they get stressed, when their nervous system is dysregulated. So that's their go-to stress response is that that fight instead of the freeze or the flee. Um, And another thing is that they could be incredibly passionate about all things. And so if you really look at all the things they do in life, you might notice that they have an intensity to all the things. It might mean that they go all in on learning about dinosaurs. They go all in on robotics. They go all in on Lego. Um, And then that means that they also go, go all in on the things that they want or desire or need 
And the only way they know how to explain these things is through that very quick explosion. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one of them. Another thing that can be going on with that aggression too is going back to the sensory needs, it could be that they lack that proprioceptive input they need. And so in order to regulate their body and their nervous system, they need that big outward touch and push and pull and uh, knocking, um, you know, and that's where you might get these destructive kids that tear things up, that break things easily. And it's not because they don't care about their toys. It's not because they're irresponsible. It might just be that they they have a you know a lot of strength and that they uh, they're not even aware of their own body and how it moves through space. On the defiant side, when you've got a kid who is, you know, refusing to do things, when you've got a kid who is, um, you know, saying no often, who shuts down, who stomps their feet, closes their arms off, you know, um, and we hear of these as like strong-willed kids, and that's even like the nicer term instead Mm -hmm. of you know, the kind of that outdated diagnosis of ODD of like, Mm -hmm. they're just being oppositional. Well, it means that they have a plan in their head. It means that they are seeking out autonomy. They want to know what the plan is. They want to know, a lot of times these kids can think 50 steps ahead, kind of like chess players, and they're already preempting the moves and they're getting upset about something that's 10 steps down the road, but they don't have the awareness or the language yet to tell you this is what I thought was going to happen. This is the plan I thought was going to, what we were going to do. And it changed suddenly. A lot of times these kids also are, have very rigid thinking and they think that, you know, they're, this is the way it needs to be. Like everything needs to be blue. It needs to be lined up. It has to go this way. Um, But these are also our social justice warriors who are going to stand up for things that are right for others and things that they believe in. Um, So there's a lot of really cool things when you've got a child who is standing up, you want to lean into that and say, okay, where can we really help them speak up, but in a way that doesn't hurt others? Mm-hmm. And in the same way, where can we, you know, what can these kids throw that isn't these toy cars at my absolutely. other child's head, right? Yes, you're absolutely. still, you're okay. We're not going to throw these, but we're going to throw these, you know, we, um, you know, we can, we can roll over here cause it's safe. We can't roll over here because there's tools over here, whatever it absolutely. is that we can like go with it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we find, and I, look, we're human. We often find like when our children often get into trouble or show behaviors that are destructive or what we would consider embarrassing, we might not feel very connected with them. And mm-hmm. and that is just human nature. We feel extremely frustrating. You know, it can go against like what we thought was going to be and how it was going to go. You have something called Operation Warm Hug. What does that mean? So Operation Warm Hug, I have connection in each of the plans in all of the stages. And Operation Warm Hug is a little of two things. It's mentioned in the time and energy plan, because if we are not feeling connected to other humans, meaning other adults, then it's going to be hard for us to also then feel connected with our kids. And so this can be little tiny, like I'm going to send a message to someone, I'm going to send a voice message, or I'm going to send a little gift to someone, um, you know, and I'm just going to stay connected to the outside world instead of just being with my kids and with my spouse and at work and that's it. Um, so that's the first piece is connecting ourselves. But 
one of the things that can be really powerful is creating these small, tiny moments with our kids. And this isn't necessarily, I'm going to sit down and play with you. I'm going to take you on trips or we're going to go out and have ice cream. This is more about the signals we send from our body. So if we're scowling, if we're raising our shoulder, if we can kind of do a body scan of what are the signals we're sending, that can actually send signals of connection to our kid. And then in these in-between moments of you know, it's time to go to school or this. It's how we show up for our kids. It's putting our phone down and kind of looking up. It's, um, you know, walking by and patting them on their back or rubbing their shoulder. It's walking into a, an example that I use a lot is teenagers. It's so easy to walk into a teenager's room, open the door and go, oh my gosh, how many times have I told you not to eat in your room? Like it's the so first you've thing been there? Yeah. You're at my house? <laughs> I mean, I've got a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old. Yeah, I have a 16 and an 18-year-old, right? Where are all the forks? Where have all the forks gone? We have lost every single spoon. Where is the fork? Why do my... During the summer when they were away, we had so many more glasses. Like, I don't understand what's happening. (laughs) So it's so easy. Like, even... No, even myself who like, this is what I preach. This is Mm -hmm. what I live. And my teenager comes downstairs and I'm like, good morning, sweetheart, you know, and he like gets his meds and he starts going. And then I'm like, oh, now remember, I need you to clean your room and don't forget, I need this and don't forget, I need that. And that like running motor of talk can be really grinding for our kids if that's all Mm -hmm. they hear. So a lot of times for my teenager, I'll actually, um, a couple of things I do to build this connection with my teenagers is I'll text them and I'll say, you know, oh, I'm thinking about you or how's your day going? But I might just say, hey, I am running to the store. You want to run with me? And I know they're going to say no. I know they're going to say no. They don't want to go with mom to the store, Mm -hmm. but I'm inviting them. And because I'm inviting them so many times, they know I'm thinking about them. They know that I care about them. I also very purposely will walk into the room a couple of times a day. I always knock and then I wait for them to go. Yes. And then I Mm -hmm. open the door and then when I open the door, I'm just like, Hey, just checking on you. How are things going? Oh, are you on the phone? Nope. Okay. What are you playing? Okay, great. And then I leave the room. Even if I know I need them to clean their room, I'll come back later after I've already had those interactions that are non-demanding, not an ask, not a bug, not a nitpick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's more of just an, just an interaction. You're a human. Mm-hmm. I'm a human. I want you to know I see you and love you and accept you for who you are. So at the end, when you've, you know, you've prepared yourself, you've reached out, you know, to friends, you're filling your tank, you know, you're running the plan and you've got things to one thing to say and do and, and you're, you're, you're doing these things. What is the end of the plan? Like what, what is there? Is it a follow-up? Is it, what's the, what's step four and five in relation to, you know, the kid who's been banging things against the wall or the kid, the two kids who are constantly fighting in your house, what's the end? Yeah. So it, it's an iterative process. I, I like to think of it like going to get, um, going to get braces at the orthodontist. You don't go 
get your braces and the next day you have these beautiful straight pearly whites. Instead, it takes years and mm -hmm. a lot of painful tweaks over time to get these beautiful like straight white teeth, which I don't have. So those of you listening, <laughs> I haven't been through this process, but I've seen enough people do it that I'm like, yes, that's what this is like with parenting. We think it's a one and done and we think that we solve the mm -hmm. problem. It should be over. And I think that sets us up for failure and it sets us up for more stress than we need. And so if we just go ahead and say, okay, this is part of the process, this is going to take some time. And so we pick that one biggest struggle that we're having. Maybe it's the siblings fighting. And so we are creating our own um, connection in the moment when they're fighting our own plan. We have our one, 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 they're going to their breaks. They're doing that thing. Well, now we need to start building their connection out of the moment. We need to start kind of manufacturing some times where they can have relation, those like little small moments of interactions that are non-combative, that are non-challenging, helping them notice, Hey, your brother doesn't always break your toys, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then starting to create plans together. So you come together, we call them huddles, um, but it's really just how you talk and problem solve as a family. And so you bring the two kids together. I notice that you've been having a hard time playing together. Um, I notice it happens after you've been at school all day and you're both really tired. And I'm wondering if we can come up with a better plan. So mm. now they're giving their um, ideas and there's no bad ideas when you're first trying. So one kid might say, well, I've got a great idea. He could never touch my toys. And you're like, well, that is one option. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the other kid gives an idea and says, well, I've got an idea. If he touches my toys, I throw it at him. Mm -hmm. That is also an option, right? But I'm curious if we can find some options that don't involve hurting the other person. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> all right, right. And so you yeah. go back and forth and this might take some time and then you make this plan visual so that they know when my brother touches my toys, then the, this is what I can say. When my brother says this, I can say this. And you're helping them come up with their one, one, one with their plan. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, you're having these debriefs of, all right, what went well? What didn't? I saw we got to practice our plan. Okay. You know, and I saw you guys remained calm for a little while. You started talking it out and then it blew up. Like, where did it go off kilter? What do we need to tweak in our plan? And you're doing that until you create this system together as a family that just works. Mm. Oh, it's so well done. Thank you for all of that. Not like I will be using that later. Um, maybe. <laughs> okay. So can you give us your top tip? What what would you want somebody to come away with after listening to this podcast or reading your book, Calm the Chaos? Mm. The biggest thing that I want parents to walk away with is twofold, threefold. Number one is that you're not failing. And I think a lot of times because of this one and done, because of this like Amazon Prime kind of world we live in where we want those quick solutions, we think that if it's not working right now, that we must be failing ourselves. And a lot of times it's a little tiny tweak to the plan that's going to make things work for us. And so don't give up. Don't put all that pressure on yourself and give yourself permission to keep iterating. Um, the second one is that your kid's not broken. They are exactly the kid they are designed to be. And they just need you to be their guide, to see them for who they are, um, to kind of give them that same grace that you maybe needed as a child or that you need as an adult now, that you would want your best friend to extend to you or your partner to extend to you. And, um, and then finally that you're not alone, right? You've got this amazing community here and there are communities all over the place that 
really have shown over the last, you know, 10 years that parenting isn't about getting it perfect, that it's not about always knowing exactly what to say. It's not about getting it always right, but that you are not doing this alone and you can do this. Mm, Yes. Yes. Let's take that all in everybody and give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you, your book and the work you're doing? Wonderful. So you can go to calmthechaosbook.com and find out all the places that the book is sold. And we've got some great bonuses for you when you go there. And then you can also find me at my podcast and all social channels at Calm the Chaos Parenting. Mm. Well, thank you so very much for being on the show today, for sharing Calm the Chaos with us. The book is called Calm the Chaos, a fail-proof roadmap for parenting even the most challenging kids by Dana Abraham. And it was wonderful to hear about it from you, directly from you, some of these wonderful tools that you have, the the just one little step that you can take, the one, 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 and the anchors. There's so many little things that we can do in the moment, before the moment, and after the moment that can help us to ground ourselves, to help our kids, and to live a more calm life. So I appreciate you so very much. Oh, I appreciate you too. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. You can come up on Facebook. You can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. We can chat about it at Twitter, which is now X and Instagram under Dr. Robin. I'm going to be going back and forth with Dana Abraham and creating memes of some of the great things she said. We go back and forth. You could take those memes. You could send it to your friend. You can send it to your spouse. You can send it to your mother-in-law and say, This is what I was trying to say. Okay, you just have Dana say it for you and it comes off much better. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it. I cannot tell you how much those five-star reviews mean to us because it puts it front and center. People will learn more about Dana Abraham, learn more about Calm the Chaos, and learn more about the podcast. And I hope you will go out and order my book, which is How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you. I would love it if you did that. And once you do, and if you give me some five-star reviews for it, in the meantime, Dana Abraham needs some five-star reviews. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. There's so many podcasts up there, and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. You know, often we have the do-over. So if you heard something today and you thought, ah, you should have done this yesterday, that's okay. You can do it today. You can do it going forward. Parenting is often that ultimate do-over. And I see you and I'm right there with you. I've done it myself. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.